Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we are so happy to be with you on the couch as we come into 2014. We've got lots of really Fabulous shows lined up for you this year. Jane and I have been having some brainstorms about what to deliver to you, our gorgeous audience this year. So we hope that you'll come with us for the ride. We're kicking off today with talking about the sensitivities of being a minority person. Now, we don't mean that you've just come off the boat from Cambodia or that you're, you know, the only Mauritian Greek Mexican who lives in your neighbourhood. <laughs> Although that, that can clever with your description. That can be fine too. Like, you know, we love Mauritian Greek Mexicans. However, it's a little bit more... The minorities that the, the the minority descriptions that we tend to box ourselves into to our own detriment. Jane, explain. Okay, so I find that a lot of people when they're coming to me to be matched up, like attracts like. So I'm looking at all sorts of areas about an individual so that I can match them potentially with people that are similar. And so it's interesting when I see people are boxed into a minority and they will use it as their victim story. They will use it to stop them from achieving success or believing they can achieve success. You can refer to our Victim to Victor podcast for victim story background. Yes, yes. So what I'm finding is that Everybody is a minority in something. Because minority is another word for unique, right? Yes, it is. Yes. And so, therefore, whatever it is about you that is that you are a minority in society, it can be in a positive or it can be in a negative. Yes. And I find it really interesting that people can use it either way. So one example would be, the lady that comes to see me that's perhaps about 70 kilos overweight, she's really, really overweight, and she wants to meet somebody. Now, the chances are that her ideal partner is not going to be in great physical shape. It would be highly unlikely, that, of course, we're all going to know exceptions, but it's highly unlikely that her she is going to find a man that is fit, is going to find her attractive. And want to, and when I say attractive, I don't just mean physically, I also mean lifestyle choices are not going to be compatible. So she will use that as an excuse. Now, admittedly, that the majority of, of people that perhaps are wanting to engage a service like mine would present quite well physically. So she could use that as a victim story. To say, as to explain why she's picky or why she's not meeting anyone? Why she's not meeting anybody. Now, you can use it in the negative and say, okay, well, it's not my fault I'm not single. I'm single because I'm overweight. Or you can use it in a positive and say, well, I am actually going to do something about this. But then there's the flip side of another minority group, the exceptionally physically beautiful. So I'm starting on physical appearance here. Oh, it's hard for those people, isn't it, Jane? <laughs> you know what? It actually is. Now, in some areas. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's well, it's well documented that people that have physical attractiveness get greater opportunities in life. Yeah. Absolutely. They definitely get an easier street. They also do get hassled more. I mean, I can think of a couple of girlfriends yes. who are ridiculously beautiful and it's, 
it really is true that it can be more of a curse than a blessing at many times in your life, particularly when it comes to things like harassment and um, yes. sexual advances in the workplace and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But they're going to also likely physically to want to date somebody that is extremely attractive. So they are going to be in a minority again because there's probably only going to be 10% of the population that fall into that category, if that. Yeah. And, there's, and coming back to the lady that's incredibly obese, you know, she's going to fall into a 10%. But then there's somebody that comes in the door that says, well, I'm a migrant and I don't know that Western women like men that are of my cultural background or maybe they fall into a 10%. Yeah. But then somebody else can come in the door and say, well, I'm really highly sensitive and I really only want to date somebody that's really highly sensitive. Well, there's your 10%. So what I'm starting to see is a pattern that everybody is a 10% of something that they perceive either is something good about themselves or something bad about themselves that's making their journey harder. So I feel we need to stop looking at boxing fitting into, yes, it, it, exactly. Yes, I think this box needs to be really widened up. Yeah. It really does need to. So, and it needs to be called So What? Now, that then means it's time to broaden your experiences of who you could connect with, broaden your skills so that you can connect with those people. Mm. Um so, for example, if you are somebody of a different culture, we'll then get educated on Western ways. If you are somebody that is overweight and you want to broaden and meet other people, then at least become more physically active so that you can engage, that you are participating in the activities that other people are participating in. It makes sense. So it is expanding this box that we're putting ourselves in. And it's a mindset that goes with it. Do I see my my individual story? Because I truly believe everyone's got one. What's your victim story? What's your 10%? Yeah. And we'd all have a 10%. I mean, yours would be psychic. Yeah. You know, that would have been your difference. My difference would have been highly sensitive. You know, everybody would have a difference. And that point of difference is what makes us unique, but it also can be detrimental to ourselves if we allow it to define ourselves too much. Because... Back to the storytelling, and I know we've covered this a little bit in the past, but it's so pertinent here, is that, you know, we do tend to just create these stories about who we are and we tend to reach for identifiers or identifying attributes. So while one person might have the story that, oh, yeah, I am from another culture or I'm this or I'm that and it, it, uh, it's either preventing me or it slows me down or I can't meet women or whatever, Another person might be exactly the same but not identify with that kind of story at all. That's right. And they might be identifying with this. They might be saying, oh, look, I've actually got emotional intimacy problems and rah, 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 rah. And they don't care at all about the fact that they're a Mexican Greek Mauritian. <laughs> um, and they're actually completely focusing on some other element of their personality and almost blowing it up till it becomes the focus, which I think is what we're saying here. People exactly. tend to, we tend to find these, these insecure strands about ourselves that we've taken from our stories and we tend to blow them up and not only make them problems for ourselves, we turn them into blocks and we assume that everyone else cares as much as we do. Exactly. We make that 10% our whole being instead of looking at what the other 90% is. It's one slice of a pie. Exactly. Now, for some people it can be a bit of a challenge because it can be obvious to everybody. So, you know, if we, if I like this little window exercise. We've got four windows. Now, the top left window, the blinds are all shut. 
But on the top left window, as soon as you meet somebody, that blind is wide open. Yeah. And that's where we can say, oh, well, this person has this hair colour, this eye colour, they're this tall, they're wearing this clothes, they speak this way. It's known by everybody. There's no secrets in that. That is, as soon as somebody meets you, they know that about you instantly. Now, the top right blind when is the one that we choose to open however we at whatever rate we want to. So when people say, oh, I'm an open book, that usually means that their blind's wide open and they're happy to share everything with everyone. Sometimes that doesn't always work well for them. Then you have people that will say they're a closed book and they're the ones that don't give anything away about themselves and so people find it hard to get close to them. And then we have more healthy is for that blind to be determined by each interaction with each individual, how quickly or, or slowly that blind is released. Right. And where does it stay? You know, and as you build a rapport with somebody and you feel safer or you feel happier or more connected, that blind can come open faster or higher. And you might then find that, whoops, hang on, maybe I thought I could trust that person a bit more than I actually can, so I might just close that blind a little bit more. So it's this blind management that I feel people can get some good tools from. Really look at what it is that they're showing there mm. because some people are leading with that blind wide open with with their 10% unique story or their 10% minority story Yes. instead of realising that there's a whole heap of other stuff in this blind that you could be showing instead mm. or as well as. I want to also reference, if I can, that I, I know I referenced this in another podcast that I do truly love this story, and I think it's relevant here, of the two men that I met that both were missing an arm. Do you reckon it's all right to repeat that now? Well, how often in life do you meet two people both missing an arm in a short space of time? Like, that's pretty – or were they far apart? Uh, they were, no, they were. They were probably about a year apart, I reckon. It's still pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, but look how many people I meet with what I do. Yeah, but the universe you know, set them to, to be this, this wonderful, this thing, example. wonderful example. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, funnily enough, I met the positive example first. Yes. So that when I met the negative example, I could share the story of the positive. So thank you, universe. He paved the way. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, the positive experience was where I, uh, you know, I've made an appointment for somebody to come and meet me to join up to go to dinners and things. And I don't know when I open my office door, I have no idea who's going to be waiting in the reception area. No idea. He walks this guy and he was just this fabulous ball of energy. I just knew he was a bit of a character and I knew instantly I was going to really like this guy and we were going to get on well. And we did. He was he was just a really great, fabulous guy. Now, by the way, he had a, an arm, but it was not functioning at all. Oh. Um, so when we went to shake hands, it was the reverse left-hand shake because his right arm was not functioning and it was a permanent disability. Um, he never referenced it. I never referenced it. it. It was just not in the room. It wasn't a monkey in the room. It wasn't like we weren't talking about something because we were being polite. It just was not relevant to what we were doing. Because he's reached a place with his own acceptance and, you know, vibrational, you know, of, of this. It's not part of his story, what we're saying. He just doesn't, exactly. doesn't it's own it. It's just not part of his story. No. And I think that if there was something that required two hands to do and he hadn't worked out a way of using other parts of his body to be able to do it and he therefore needed the assistance, it would be no big deal to this guy. He'd just turn around and say, can you do this? It's just, it's like, well, yeah. It's just not a victim story. There's nothing there. No, and, it's so, and it was so wonderfully refreshing. It is, and it's so gorgeous how this is such a cool example of how if somebody doesn't have an issue with something about the self, 
those around them don't either. So Jane didn't have any. I mean, Jane wouldn't have an issue anyway because she's too spiritually advanced. No, but, but I have to think about my members. You know, yeah. I've got to think how will they like, receive will they this person? Yeah, because if if they don't like, I want my members. If I'm going to join somebody up, I want them to have a good social experience. So I am constantly when I'm meeting somebody trying to be in the heads or the energy of my members who maybe some are beautifully, richly non-judgmental and open and accepting and enjoy meeting all sorts of people. Others aren't. Others have a very narrow field of who they will be comfortable meeting. And there's no right or wrong there either, but I've got to make sure that if I take that person in, they're going to be well-received. I don't want to take their money and have them have a traumatic social experience. That's the last thing I want to do. That's damaging. Yeah. So I am in that, and yet it still wasn't there. That monkey was not in the room. This did not exist. Yeah. Now fast forward, go fast forward a year later, and I'm about to give a talk um, actually on dating, and uh, this guy's outside the room where I'm just waiting to go on, on stage, and he says, um, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just about to give a talk on dating and happiness and love. And uh, he went, oh, right. And, and, uh, and I said, are you single? always recruiting and he said um yes I am and he just went of course and I said what do you mean of course and he just looked down at his arm now he had a missing limb he had no um on again his right arm and um and he just like rolled his eyes shrugged his shoulders kind of looked down at his his arm and just went well and I said well what do you mean and he said well isn't it obvious I haven't got an arm and I went what's that got to do with dating and I was actually quite sincere. I wasn't trying to be funny, play games. I'm going, hang on. I was actually in the zone of I'm about to go on stage. So I wasn't actually in the zone of trying to get into his energy. I was holding my own. Yeah. And I really didn't get what he's going on. My brain was a bit fuddled going, I don't get the connection. I can't join this dots dating. He's got no arm. Probably good for him to hear that response, Jane. Well, it was. Yeah. And then I then like then the light bulb went off because I went in more into his energy and less about me doing about to do my presentation. And so I said to him, seriously, that's called so what? And I said, how you feel about that determines everything in your life. I could ask you, how's your work going? How are your friendships going? How's your relationships with your family? And the answer is going to be exactly the same as you're dating because you're taking the story into everything. It just doesn't need to be there. It just doesn't. Now, there might be 10%, let's talk minority, who really might feel, oh, it could be a bigger percent. I don't know. But there will be a group of people who would be uncomfortable around somebody who they perceive to not to be physically deformed in some way. Right. Okay, now there are people like that. I'd like them to open up a bit more. However, I respect that. That's their journey. But so what? There are people that don't want to be around people like me that might be too loud or too talkative or too whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. So this comes back to this minority thing that we allow this minority thing to be validated that it's real by another minority group that is supporting the belief. It just gets deeper and deeper, doesn't it? Yeah, is this going too deep? Am I now going in circles? No such thing as too deep. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Um, Oh, yeah, we'll see. Everyone's probably tuned out by now. (laughs) I'm thinking of a girlfriend of mine who's, uh, recently back out in the dating game because her marriage ended and she's going back out as a 38-year-old with a little boy. Mm-hmm. She's petrified to have anyone in any club or bar learn her real age. So she's going to go, tonight, Rebecca, we're 30, we're 30. You know, if anyone asks on 30 or 31 or whatever it is, and she'll 
she will let um, relationships or sexual, you know, escapades blossom and bloom in advance without them knowing these these things. Now, I, I'd be curious to know what you think about that, Jane, especially if they if it starts to become boyfriend material. You know, I think that perhaps she's got a – she should perhaps be a bit more transparent with the person who's sharing themselves with her. Okay, so her victim's story is that she believes – that to be 38 with a with a child is a minority. No, it's actually yeah. a majority. Yeah, I know. But I get but where she's hanging out, yeah, she is a minority. She's hanging out in bars and clubs. Twenty something. She is a minority. Yeah. Okay, but she's also made an assumption on how others are perceiving this that. This is the biggest point because this she, is all about assumptions. She's finally met a really, really lovely boy, and he is nine years younger than her. And she was absolutely sweating like bullets the other night on the phone to me because she was going around to his house. She's like, "This is it. We have to have the conversation. I have to tell him it's time." me to tell him and she was so wound up about it I couldn't believe it and I just kept, well, she must be into him well yeah that's a good side of it but mm. I just kept saying stop presuming to know what anyone else is going to think about you and your life you don't know his story I said for all you know he could be coaching a kid's basketball team you know he might be around kids all the time he might have lots of nieces and nephews he might be a primary school teacher like don't you might be one of ten Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, exactly. You are absolutely taking in your filter, your judgment into this scenario and you are presuming how things are going to roll and it's like you're setting yourself up for failure, disappointment and rejection with before you've even – you've got to be careful with the old law of attraction. You've really got to be careful with this energy game because it works. That's so right. we've talked about all of this stuff in the context of a lot of, a lot of dating today, but, Jane, what about in business? being a minority when mm. it comes to jobs or employment or performing in the workforce? What do you think? Well, I still think that's that's a perception because, again, we're boxed into what do you do for a living? It's a title and there is a lot of, of, of judgment that is made about that. So whatever you likely do for a living, you will be in a minority in some way, shape or form unless – Oh, hang on, I've just gone running circles here now. Here, let me get back on track on that. If you are doing a job that you are allowing yourself to be validated by it, then like you use your job to to gain social gain. Right. It's ego, ego and stigma. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. You will create your job to be a minority job. So you will twist it. So that you become bit. a rare and exclusive bird. Exactly. You will place yourself into a minority job so that you have others go, wow. Okay. And even if you are in a job that has a majority, like what would be a career that would have lots, like say nursing or teaching or, right. you know, where there's loads of people do this kind of career, they will my uh, they will tell the story of what they do as being incredibly unique though. Okay. Now You've got to ask yourself why you're doing that. So if it is about I love what I do and I really am moving into a field that is making my heart sing and I'm specialising within teaching to specialise within this very unique special field and it just brings me so much joy, I am in a minority group but it's in the positive. That's fantastic. Right. Or are you creating a story that says that you're a minority because you want to be validated externally because you don't want to be lumped with the majority okay you know like there's this whole thing too of we don't want to be ordinary we want to be extraordinary and yeah. so in the workforce we see a lot of that being played out 
Does that make sense? It, I think it's fascinating because this is really tapping into that whole I don't want to be a sheep thing, you know. Yes. I don't want to be a statistical like everyone else. Or Well, this is really what this whole topic is about, mm. is that are you using your individuality as a positive thing or are you using it as a negative thing? Yeah. Is it a victim story or is it something that's wonderful that you're celebrating? Is it externally validating or is it it's because it's who I am and it's just a part of me and I am much more than any story? It makes, yeah, it's real light and shadow work here. Shades of grey. Yeah, shades of grey. Yeah, no, it's not. You hate using that title. She hates it when I do that. It's yin and yang, Jane. That's what we're talking about. Because it is, you know, we, we are talking about uniqueness today. And it's, yes. it's that old thing, you know, you've all seen the fridge magnets and the affirmation notebooks that say, oh, you know, it's so, like what your mother used to say to you when you were crying about being picked on at school for having red hair. But you're so beautiful and unique. Nobody else has got lovely red hair like you, Amelia, you know. Okay, so here's an example in the dating world with red hair. Okay, so apparently only 5% of men like women with red hair. According to who? Oh, some stupid US public statistic thing. Dodgy. However, what I say is, yes, that might be true. However, there are probably of that 100, let's say they've they've grabbed 100 men. Yeah. And they've said, but those 100 men, 95% of them want somebody with a beautiful, kind heart that's, generous, supportive, and nurturing. Right. And that person with red happens to have that. Well, they've got one tick and they've got one cross. And then, like, if they really want to play this stupid stats game, like I think, you know, stats can get played however you want to play yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, then they've also said that they want somebody that lives within 10 kilometres of where they live and probably she does within 50 of them. So now there's 50 guys that have got two ticks and one cross. And then they say, well, I want somebody that perhaps is of my faith and she's of their faith. So now there's three ticks, one crosses. The red hair becomes irrelevant. Yeah. So are you going to lead with it or are you going to use it as a victim story to stop you? I think there and are. by the way, I yeah. think those stats are quite ridiculous because women change dyeing their hair colour all the time. I know. Who cares? And if you're a redhead listen to it, listening to this, don't let this be a victim story. <laughs> There's no one in the world that's going to boil down whether they're interested in another person or not according to one attribute anyway. People are so multifaceted and complex and layered and interesting. I have lots of women that look for a man that's over 50 and say, can you just be breathing? (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) It's a wide world thing of, you know, the people saying that where are all the men over 50? Yeah, yeah, How many do you need to meet? There's about 150,000 in Adelaide, so I don't know. (laughs) How many do you need? Let's go back to uniqueness. Okay. This old thing I was saying about it's on every fridge magnet, it's that whole, you know, we've all got different fingerprints, we are all completely different, and it's a really beautiful thing, and it should be embraced, and it should be. It it completely should be. That's why I love what Jane's talking about, this this shadow and this light, because so often we use our differences, it's just too convenient, isn't it? Yes. They're convenient excuses for why we haven't, gotten on in life and achieved certain things. Yes, exactly. That's what it boils down to. It does. And the embracing of the individuality is just like, I saw this chick out shopping the other day. She looked like she was in her late 30s and her hair had gone totally grey. Wow. And she had it in a really stylish bob. She had really beautifully, like, you know, sculpted eyebrows and a tan and a long dress, which is very stylish, big earrings. And I just thought, oh, my God, there would be no man on earth that would have a problem with having a 38-year-old grey-haired chick because she looked amazing because she was owning it. Yes. And that is such an incredible energy when you see people who are really owning their stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is why we love celebrities because it's that charisma thing. It's when 
look, and I know celebrities are highly manufactured and all of that as well, and there's a lot of projected image going on there. But at the same time, there are certain individuals that can take to a stage or can, who can hold the energy of a stadium, and they can just be so, like they go into the zone and they're so comfortable in their own skin and in exuding what they love and who they are that we are attracted to it. Like it's addictive. Like that's why we get so enamoured with these people because they are masters at going into the zone and just being who they are. And we that's why we literally put them up on pedestals and look up to them. Everybody can have that energy. It comes from within. And that's what every one of our podcasts is about is going within, loving yourself, sick from within, falling madly, passionately, deeply in love with yourself, accepting every single thing about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, it doesn't matter. Grab it, love it, embrace it, and start to just feel this energy within you that you, you make a decision that you're going to flick a light switch on and from this point forward you are stepping out radiating from in out yeah and it makes no difference what minority box you've put yourself into if you make that conscious decision to come from love and not fear to be the first to lead to smile to be welcoming to be kind soft gentle fun connective if you make that firm decision and you stick to it everybody is going to be drawn to that everybody you you really can use the outside world as a external barometer of your progress so if you are working on the self-love thing and it's not you know you don't do it overnight it is a process obviously oldest cliche in the book it's a process it's a journey journey it is though and you're going to meet you know if there is a particular issue you're working on let's say that you have um like a large scar or birthmark on your face Mm -hmm. for example and that's been a really sensitive touchy issue for you since you were a teenager and used to get bullied in the schoolyard you know and now you're an adult and you think that you've gotten beyond that because you've got a nice job and maybe you've even got a partner but it's still a deep-seated insecurity for you you know you really still can use the outside world to see how much work you've been doing on it so if people still show some sort of vibrational or emotional or energetic reaction to you when you first are introduced to them for example or if somebody sort of the taxi driver turns around and makes a bit of a comment about it or you know you're attracting that state. If it's still coming, if it's still coming in, in a, with a bit of a negative sting to it, it's because you, you haven't still quite loved it, loved it enough. Yet. Loved it enough, yeah. exactly. And so, if you are in that suit, let's give a step because it's one thing to say, "Here's the problem," and that's where you want to end up. But in that interim bit, if you've got something that you are working on, like whether it's a, a birthmark, as you said, or some sort of well, for example, I have a beautiful member. She's actually a motivational speaker and she um, has a disability. She was run over by a car at two. Right. And it's it's very obvious. Now, we talked about this at length about because she, again, liked the man that had um, an arm that wasn't functioning. She It's just no big deal to her. She's just doesn't bother her. She's over it. She's got so much many other gifts and skills to bring to building rapport with people. Yeah. But we did talk about the stage in between and how she felt she had to go through a stage where she had to explain it because while she was learning to get comfortable with it, other people weren't comfortable. Right. And as we've talked in other podcasts, the height of good manners is making others feel comfortable. So she would lead with it and she would walk into a room and say, 
hi, how are you going, blah, blah, blah. I know that I have a, have um, some differences here to perhaps the rest of you. I did have an accident result when I was two. It was traumatic, but it's not my victim story anymore. So what was your name and how did you get to be at this conference or whatever it is that she's at? So, she so you address it up front. Yeah. And I actually teach my clients this. If they're not comfortable, you address it up front. So you get the monkey out of the room. So this is what works in all relationships, not just dating. This works everywhere. This is really fascinating, actually, because it's it's a it's an offsetting and a diffusing and a self-empowering type of ritual. Yeah. So let's use weight. Let's say there's a lady that's, you know, 60 whatever kilos overweight, mm. that she's got the determination that she wants to start getting up, meeting new people, but she is embarrassed about that and she's started her journey of, of health and wellness and she's working on that. Yeah. Again, don't sit at home and hide until you what you're what you perceive you want to be physically. Get out and about, but address it up front while you're addressing it. So how would you word that, Jane? I think you just sit down and you just, you know, chatting away about different things and what are your hobbies and interests. And I think that then you could say something like, well, actually, I'm just new at gym or Pilates or um, I've got a personal trainer and I've got a, I've got a new dietitian that's helping me. And this is all really new to me. So it's my latest interest because I'm really excited that I'm rebirthing myself. I'm really, I'm on a growth. Yeah. Love so it. we've got the monkey out the room. Yeah. You know, it's dealt with. And all you need to do if you need to give yourself a pep talk is think of all those people in the world who've taken their minority issues and used them to their advantage. You look at Oprah, black. She, in the minor, in the minor, yeah. she was poor. You know, she was a woman. Yeah. She was overweight. Yeah. You know, she, lots yeah, of more of a minority. Group. Yeah. And she, she used all of those things to connect and to heal and to help and to rise up. So, you know, Stephen Hawkins, wheelchair, like all of this stuff. This is the most inspirational people in the world, exactly. aren't they? So I reckon that we need to wind it up there, but I definitely think grab your differences, grab your minority story and just turn it to something amazing. Beautiful. Look, you can join us every week on thewellnesscouch.com for our free half-hour Love Live show every Wednesday. You can pop on Facebook if you want to send us a private message. And our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash love life show, one word. Love to get your messages. And, of course, topic suggestions. It's 2014, New Year. Bring in the ideas. Mm. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, see you later. Bye. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.